1: Let's do na na da ¡Gracias! vasudevaya
2: om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo vasudevaya narayanam namaskrityam naram devim saraspatim vyasam tatujaya mudirayet nastaprayasabadrishu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati tamas loke bhaktir bavatini so we are getting closer and closer to janmashtami um there is a um an exit sign on janmashtami that if you can figure out the appearance of Lord Krishna, then you get a ticket, free ticket back home. So what, what does that mean? Does anybody know? We read every year about how Lord Krishna appears. so what do you have to do? Just read about it? What's the meaning of it? Okay. Please give her a microphone.
3: Who is it? Well, someone once asked Radana Swami, okay, so Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that if we understand the, the appearance of Krishna, then we go back to the spiritual world. So, I understand the appearance of Krishna, so will I go back to the spiritual world? And Radana Swami became very, 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 very grave and said to understand krishna means to stand under guru So, well, um, like Maharaj was saying, we understand by the mercy and blessings of the spiritual master and uh, th- then we get uh, blessings to get realization. Um, you know, it's not like intellectual or mental or anything like that. It's actual um, realization that's given through the heart by the mercy of Guru and Krishna to. Um, um, appreciate, you know, who uh, is Krishna? Who are we uh, with Krishna, etc. So mercy of Guru Garanga. Krishna is so kind that he appears, and his um, pastimes are attractive, Krishna's all attractive. So he comes to attract us. So um, in that uh, relationship that we uh, experience through attraction to Krishna, then um, we understand that that's who we are, and that's who Krishna is. He's uh, um, our Ishtadeva. and so in our heart we're um, living that in our heart. We we understand, you know, our relationship with Krishna, and um, so that's our our life and soul. That's who we are, and Krishna is our and Radha and Krishna are our life and soul, and we serve them here uh, is purely, and that means we serve there purely. So basically, um, we're servants of the servants of the servants. And we're serving here, knowing that that's who we are, as uh, a pure servants of the Lord. And so we understand that whatever we're doing here, um, then we will do there. So we understand Krishna through service anyway it's just one way to look at it Anybody
0: else? i was just thinking that the verse that you're referencing krishna says janma karma jame devyam so his birth and activities that are transcendental. So it's different understanding about his birth and activities than understanding about just any other common birth. And if we're wanting to be, you know, so many people talk about being spiritual and divinity and whatnot, but Krishna is explaining, Krishna is showing something, what is divine something very specific that he is a person, and he comes and his ways of acting and moving and appearing in the world are um, not ordinary, they're not material, they're spiritual. So if we put our attention towards that, then we can actually, you know, it's like, like I said, spirituality is so vague, For people these days, but this is something that's very specific. So it can, so many realizations can come from just putting our attention to understanding and hearing about how Krishna appears.
2: nityo nityanam ekobahunam There's many, many eternals. That's, that's not a big deal, apparently. There's countless eternal beings, but there's only one that maintains and takes care of everybody else, and that's, that's Krishna. So his appearance is not ordinary, uh, even though may look like a birth may look like, but it's not an ordinary birth. We, we were discussing yesterday. It went from the mind, uh, mind of a husband to the mind of a wife. Usually, children are not brought up that way. And and Krishna from a very early age started killing enormous people, demons with powers. Uh, we don't see that also among other kids. And um, yeah, Krishna is not an ordinary being. Even among the Eternals, He's not ordinary. So if we, uh, as you say, pay a little attention, we will see that everything that Krishna does has, has uh, a very deep meaning. I wanted to read from the 10th chapter of um, the 10th canto, 10th chapter, uh, 10 verses, 10, 10, 10. Uh, also I was thinking of a of a verse that is in the Padyavali compilation of poems by Srila Rupa Goswami where Sarvabhaphabacharya says, um, others may study the Vedas, the Smriti, the Mahabharata and fear material existence. I just worship Nanda Maharaj in whose courtyard the Supreme Brahman is crawling. So this is this is our Krishna. that uh, Even though appears as an ordinary child, he's not ordinary. Even uh, Sarvabhava Tucharya, who is none other than Brihaspati, the priest of the demigods in Krishna Lila, uh, worships that crawling child above all other things. And he was a he was a great scholar and a great devotee. So we'll We'll read a little bit from the deliverance of the Yamalarjuna trees, because there's a, a bit of a relationship between this chapter and the chapter of the fourth canto of, uh, that we were reading in the Bhagavatam where Daksha had a, Daksha had a bad day. I think that's not the title of the chapter, but you know we can def- definitely consider that an alternative title for it. And uh, his his day is gonna get worse. Uh, yes, he's he's gonna lose his head eventually. Uh, literally, you know, some people do it figuratively. He he literally lost his, lost his head. And uh, it's very strange. He he got a goat head, and uh, and he was grateful for it because uh, at least he got some kind of a head. Um, yeah, goats goat is not a very uh, good birth goats are not very smart, and uh, they eat anything, like literally. You can, you know, we have we have a division under downstairs, you know, landfill, recycling, and compost. Goats they only have one, just they they eat all of it. They don't discriminate among between plastic and food and anything else. So God is not a good, it's a good thing. So let's read here. Um, I'm just going to read the, uh, the um, English and, uh, and the, some of the purports by Srila Prabhupada, both translation and purports. King Parikshit inquired from Shukadeva Goswami, O great and powerful saint, what was the cause of Nalakubara Manigrivas having been cursed by Narada Muni? What did they do that was so abominable that even Narada, the great sage, became angry at them? Can't kindly describe this to me. This is puzzling because where did you see Narada Muni elsewhere in the Mahabharata, in the, anywhere becoming angry? He never did. And he appears to be angry here, but it's actually it's, it's thinking how to bless these boys. Sukadeva Swami said, "O King Pariksit, because the two sons of Kuvira had been elevated to the association of Lord Shiva, of which they were very much proud, they were allowed. They were allowed to wander in a garden attached to Kailasa Hill on the bank of the Mandakini River. Taking advantage of this, they used to drink a kind of liquor called Varuni, and that ties up with Lord Balaram, who is fond of this drink, accompanied by women singing after them." They, want, they would wander in that garden of flowers, their eyes always rolling in intoxication. Prabhupada says in a purport, this verse mentions some of the material advantages afforded to persons associated with or devoted to Lord Shiva. Apart from Lord Shiva, if one is a devotee of any other demigod, one receives some material advantages. Foolish people therefore become devotees of demigods. He has been pointed out and criticized by Lord Krishnas ba- in Bhagavad Gita. Anyone knows the verse? Kamastair yeah. tais Those who are non-devotees of Krishna have a taste for women, wine, and so forth, and therefore they have been described as Ritagyana, bereft of sense. The Krishna Consciousness Movement can very easily point out such foolish persons for they have been indicated in Bhagavad Gita 7.15, where Lord Krishna says, Namam du mudha prapadyante naradama mayaya parita Asuram bhava masritam. Those miscreants who are grossly foolish, lowest among mankind, whose knowledge is stolen by illusion and who partake of the atheistic nature of demons, do not surrender unto me. Anyone, this is, this is very strong language by Srila Prabhupada following this, uh, the translation of this verse. Anyone who is not a devotee of Krishna and does not surrender to Krishna must be considered Naradama, the lowest of men, and Duskriti, one who always commits sinful activities. Thus there is no difficulty in finding out who is a third class or fourth class man, for one's position can be understood simply by this crucial test. Is he or is he not a devotee of Krishna? I don't think he leaves any doubt of his opinion here. Why are the devotees of the demigods greater in number than the Vaishnavas? The answer is given herein. Vaishnavas are not interested in such fourth class pleasures as wine and women. Nor does Krishna allow them such facilities. Within the waters, this is another verse, within the waters of the Mandakini Ganges, which were crowded with gardens of lotus flowers, the two sons of Kubera were enjoying young girls, just like two male elephants enjoying in the water with female elephants. Purport. People generally go in the Ganges to be purified of the effects of sinful life, but here's an example of how foolish persons enter the Ganges to become involved in sinful life. It is not that everyone becomes purified by entering the Ganges. Everything spiritual and material depends on one's mental condition. So that also ties up with the verse that describes that people who go to a place of pilgrimage to take a bath are no better than cows or asses, because you're supposed to go there to clean yourself and associate with saintly people. Um, text 5. O Maharaj by some auspicious opportunity for the two boys, the great saint Devar once appeared there by chance. I yeah, was kind of not sure about this by chance. Narada Muni is very uh, ubiquitous. He, uh, he's always at the right place at the right time, or at the wrong place at the right time. And he, he's kind of an accelerant of, of lila. You know, like there is, there is a fire and he squeezes squeezed some um, uh, fluid, uh, what do you call that fluid that they put in lighter, lighter fluid, there you go. yeah, so Naramani is the spiritual lighter fluid. He, he always gets gets the fire to go fast, very high, because he wants Krishna involved everywhere. O Mahaharaash by some auspicious opportunity. For the two boys, the great saint, the Varsinada, once appeared there by chance. Seeing them intoxicated with rolling eyes, he could understand their situation. And Purpose says, Sadhu Sangha, Saru Sarva Sastri Hoi, Lava Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Sidi Hoi. So the, the uh, Prabhupada doesn't give a translation, but we know, this, uh, this is a verse from uh, Maria Lila of uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Sadhu Sangha, the association of saintly people, devotees, Sarva Shastri Ho, Sarva Shastri Ho. Everything is open once one associates with, with saintly people. Lava Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhi Ho. Sarva Siddhi Ho means you get all perfection, like Siddhi, Siddhi means perfection sometimes means mystic power. Lava Matra, this is a measure of time and is one eleventh of a second. So that's a very short period of time. So even one eleventh of a second association with a saintly person can give all perfection. This is is an example that you don't need much time. It's just it happens very quickly. Wherever Narayala goes, any moment at which he appears is understood to be extremely auspicious. This said, Vamanda, Pramite, Kona, Bhagavan, Jiva, Guru, Krishna, Prasadipai Bhakti, Latabija. According to their karma, all living entities are wandering throughout the entire universe. Some of them are being elevated to the upper planetary systems and some are going down into the lower planetary systems. Out of many millions of wandering living entities, one who is very fortunate, gets an opportunity to associate with a bona fide spiritual master by the grace of Krishna. By the mercy of both Krishna and the spiritual master, such a person receives the seed of a creeper of devotional service." That's also from uh, Maria Lila of the Chaitanya and Amrita. Nada appeared in the garden to give the two sons of Kuvera the seed of devotional service, even though they were intoxicated. Saintly persons know how to bestow mercy upon the fallen souls. So we may not have that kind of power, like Lord Nityananda preaching to Jagaya Madai and Narayamuni um, giving his mercy to Narakugara and Manigriva, but we can, we can try. And we should consider that, okay, who is not intoxicated in this world? Who is, who is aware of their eternal existence? An identity not no one, so we can consider this is a a world of intoxicated people, so anybody you preach to even if they speak very flowery very uh, large words that have you know very deep meaning still they are completely intoxicated and they don 't know what they're talking about in general this is this is the case, so the Buddhists have to be very merciful and tolerate the embates and not be um, overwhelmed because someone else you know speaks you know quotes this guy and that this meat eater and that mediator eater, it doesn't really matter. Um, they don't understand their own position. So we have a responsibility to deliver the message of Krishna consciousness regardless of our audience. It would be nicer, to. obviously there are different types of audience, there are some more receptive and more educated and so on, but in general we have to say uh, most of the world, seven billion plus are intoxicated and they, they don't know their own identity, they don't know who God is, they don't know what their situation is, what their future is, they don't know anything that is relevant. Relevant means something you can take with you after you die, that's relevant. And anything else at the time of death becomes irrelevant. So there's, there's your new meter to to measure yeah, if you should deliver a message of Krishna consciousness or not, because this person seems very educated. Upon seeing Narada, the na- naked young girls of the demigods were very much ashamed. Afraid of being cursed, they covered their bodies with their garments. But the two sons of Kuvera did not do so. Instead, not caring about Narada, they remained naked. Seeing the two sons of the demigods naked and intoxicated by opulence and false prestige, Devarshi Narada, in order to show them special mercy, desired to give them a special curse. Thus, he spoke as, follow, as follows. Purport. Although in the beginning Narada Muni appeared very angry and cursed them, at the end, the two demigods, Nala Kuvara and Manigriva, were able to see the Supreme Personality of God, Krishna, face to face. Thus, the curse was ultimately auspicious and brilliant. One has to judge what kind of curse Narada placed upon them. Srila Chakravarti Thakur gives herein a good example. When a father finds his child deeply asleep, but the child has to take some medicine to cure some disease. The father pinches the child so that the child would get up and take the medicine. In a similar way, Narada Muni cursed Nala Kuvara Manigriva in order to cure their disease of material blindness. That was a brilliant analogy by Vishwanata Kavartita Kaur. Translation, Narada Muni said, among all the attractions of material enjoyment, the attraction of riches bewilders one's intelligent more than having beautiful bodily features, taking birth in an aristocratic family, and being learned. When one is uneducated but falsely puffed up by wealth, the result is that one engages his wealth in enjoying wine, women, and gambling. Uh, if you recall, this, these are the, what are the four characteristics of a pious birth. Wealth, nice bodily features, Aristocracy, education, and um, money. Yes, wealth. No, that's what I said first, right? Is beauty, wealth, aristocracy, education. Right? I got all four. So this is this is actually the reason why people become proud. But of all of them. Wealth is the worst, because you, you may think you can buy your way. You can buy other people's friendship or love. You can buy your way to happiness, which is not available actually that way. So this, how is pride cured? Pride is cured by poverty, by scarcity, because when you, are, when you have scarcity, there is, there is no pride. You know, even though there's a saying that probably used to quote, even the poor is proud of his penny, right? Even the pauper is proud of his penny. But still, this is, this is a very good, um, very quick education. When, when you become devoid of all wealth, then pride goes down very quickly, declines. And the purple Prabhupada said, "Among the three modes of material nature, goodness, passion and ignorance, people are certainly conducted by the lower qualities, namely passion and ignorance, and especially by passion. Conducted by the mode of passion, one becomes more and more involved in material existence. Therefore, human life is meant for do, subduing the modes of passion and ignorance and advancing in the mode of goodness.. That's from the Bhagavatam, the second chapter of the first canto. This is culture. One must subdue the modes of passion and ignorance. In the mode of passion, one is, one is falsely proud of wealth. One engages his wealth only for three things, namely wine, women, and gambling. We can actually see, especially in this age, that those who have unnecessary riches simply try to enjoy these three things. In Western civilization these three things are very prominent because of an unnecessary increase of wealth. Naralamuni considers all this in the case of Manigriva and Nara Kubera because he found them found in them so much pride in their wealth of their father, Kuvera, Kuvera's is the treasure of a demigod so he has quite a bit of wealth himself. Translation, this I'm going to just read the last two verses until verse 10. Unable to control their senses, rascals who are falsely proud of their riches or their birth in aristocratic families are so cruel that to maintain their perishable bodies, which they think they will never grow old or die, they kill poor animals without mercy. Sometimes they kill animals merely to enjoy an excursion. Purport. When the modes of passion and ignorance increase in human society, giving rise to unnecessary economic, economic development, this is the second time in two verses the Prabhupada says unnecessary economic development and uh, like there is a certain amount that one should be, just like in the uh, isopanishad, it says that everything belongs to Krishna and everybody has a quota and you should know what your quota is. So. Um, probably gave the example of a dying man. He was, he was actually praying to God to live two more years because his wealth was going to double in, in two years. So this is, this is the uh, nature of a fever in the material world, that you go completely bananas, you go crazy, and you become greedy, and you want more, and nothing is enough. Just like people who have billions of dollars, they couldn't spend them and in, in several lifetimes, they couldn't spend their, their wealth. But they still want to make more money. They never a to material desires. The result is that people become involved with wine, women, and gambling. Then, being mad, they maintain big slaughterhouses, or occasionally go on pleasure excursions to kill animals, like safaris. Forgetting that however one may try to maintain the body, the body is subject to birth, death, old age and disease, such foolish rascals engage in sinful activities one after another. Being Duskritis, they completely forget the existence of a supreme controller who is sitting within the core of everyone's heart. Ishvara, Sarvabhuta, Namri, that Supreme Controller is observing every bit of one's activity, and he rewards or punishes everyone by giving one a suitable body made of material nature. yantra In this way, sinful persons automatically receive punishment in different types of bodies. The root cause of this punishment is that when one unnecessarily accumulates wealth. Again, same thing. One becomes more and more degraded, not knowing that his wealth will be finished with his next birth. Animal killing is prohibited. Every living being, of course, has to eat something. But one should be taught what kind of food one should take. Therefore, the Upanishad instructs, bunjita. One should eat whatever is allotted for human beings. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, nine twenty-six. Anybody? Nine twenty-six. Yeah. So, so everybody hears it. Patram Pushpan Falam To Yam may Bhakti Taraham Ashnani If one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I will accept it. A devotee, therefore, does not eat anything that would require slaughterhouses for poor animals. Rather, devotees take prasad of Krishna. tena bunjita. Krishna recommends that one give him patram pushpam falam toyam a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water. Animal food is never recommended for human beings. Instead, a human being is recommended to take prasad, remnants of food left by Krishna. Jagya, Shina santo, muchate, sarva, kilvishaya. This is Bhagavatam 3.13. If one practices eating prasadam, even if there is some little sinful activity involved, one becomes free from the results of sinful acts. So this is a leaf, flower, fruit, water. This doesn't seem like, you know, there is no gulab jamans and pizza involved in this, but this is an example of even something easily available that if it's offered with love, Krishna will accept. It doesn't, it doesn't say it ends there. That's all you can offer. You can offer anything you want as long as it's not um, the result of sin. But even if there is, Prabhupada if there is some little sinful activity involved one becomes free from the results of sinful acts. So, you know, we don't know if animals are killed or insects are killed or how things happen in process. You know, people are mistreated. You know, there may be some some things involved in the procurement of food, but still, because um, is offered to Krishna with love and devotion, this this actually changes and, and becomes prasada. I, I try to ta- uh, train myself as a brahmacharya to to see all food that was not offered or offerable as if I was watching a centerpiece with wax fruit. So. Anything that I looked at that wasn't offered or couldn't be offered, I actually I still think the same way. No matter how appetizing it is, it's like a bowl full of wax fruit. You know, it looks like lemons and apples and this and that, but they, they aren't. They're just wax, made of wax. So this is a. This was a. I didn't really train myself because I I knew that. Um, is is a gateway to degradation, you know. What do you eat, if you eat too much or too little, if you eat the wrong thing, uh, and I've been thinking, you know, I've been in, in a few days. It's going to be my 40th year since since I joined, and I, I've I've been eating so many delectable dishes. First for several, so, for so many decades, when will be the time that I uh, I just don't look forward to, you know, something palatable, that like will be satisfied with anything that is offered to Krishna, even, even in a simple way. Uh, it's very difficult to train the tongue because the tongue is not uh, cooperating. The tongue wants to vibrate nasty stuff and to eat whatever it is. That it looks good. So it, it's, it requires some training. But the hope is that uh, even if I don't make it in this lifetime, there, there will be another opportunity where I can continue uh, training so I can get out of this this material world. Uh, it is unfair to us of Krishna that he will take us as we are. It is unfair. Just like um, if you have a friend or a spouse, um, yeah, you like them and you love them and you accept them, but overtly or secretly you hope they will change certain quirks and characteristics and idiosyncrasies to to suit yourself, to suit your your own personality. So if we have that tendency, you know, we are not completely merciful that we'll take anybody as they are, you know, why should we expect Krishna to take us the way we are? Uh, I want to go back to Godhead, but uh, with minimal change. I I just want to go the way I am, with, you know, the way I think. Yes, you will be an individual. Uh, you are an individual eternally, and you will continue to be an individual. but there are certain areas that they could be polished a little bit to to be to be mild that you could be could be better so this is this is the uh, the idea of spiritual life that we actually it's not like we are becoming someone else. It's we are actually getting rid of the layers that we acquire while in the material world. They are, they are not us. We, we consider it our, part of our personality, our idiosyncrasy, and so on. But these are layers that they were incorporated based on our misidentification with the modes of nature. And we picked them up a long time ago and now refuse to give them up. I like, know ah, it's mine. It's mine. It's like imagine when you were a little baby. You had you had some toys. You had a baby blanket. You had things that you were totally attached to, and it's understood because you were a child that you will become very upset if somebody tried to take your toys away. But let's say you're thirty-seven now, and somebody's taking trying to take your toys and baby blanket and give them, put them in my box and send them to Goodwill and you throw a tantrum about it. Uh, that's kind of weird. That's, you need therapy, buddy. Uh, this, is, this is wrong. Uh, you need therapy? <laughs> oh, oh yes, I should stop. Well, I actually asked for, um, in the very beginning, uh, we had some interaction, so I, I, I'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, this is my last point. So it's it will be weird if you're 37 and your mom or someone else is trying to take your toys away, and and you just you know start crying and throw yourself on the ground and start stamping stomping. It'll be very strange, <laughs> very strange. Yeah, you. you you need some kind of therapy, kind of right away. So this is this is what we are doing in this world. Krishna is very kind and sends the holy name himself and is trying to take away all these stupid toys that you've been accumulating, that they're gross, they're dusty and they're nasty. And uh, we're throwing a tantrum, no, I wanna keep my greed, I wanna keep my lust, I wanna keep this, I wanna keep all that that I acquired when my traverse, transverse in the material world. So I'll end there and open up for uh, chastisement, if possible, and if not, we'll take reflections and comments and questions. Chastisement? Hopefully? No?
4: Thank you, Prabhu. I had a question. Um, the verse "Sato Sangasato Sangasara koi Lava Matra Sato Sangasara was quoted, um, and um, I was remembering the purport. I think it's only one sentence, and Prabhu says what you explained that a lava means it is one eleventh of a second, and that's the only purport <laughs> given. Um, and so I was thinking about, um, you know, there's people who sat next to pra- Srila Prabhupada on airplanes, uh, spoke to him, might've, he might have even, like, touched them. We hear stories of, you know, touching people with his cane. Or, um, but these persons didn't seem to become perfect after that association. Um, And then just even thinking about um, myself, you know, even after, you know, being fortunate to have association with sadhus, um, there's still, it doesn't seem to be perfection. It seems to be very far from that, actually. So, um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you could unpack that a little more. What does it mean? by moments association, is it that by moments association, one can become perfect or yeah? what, is it, what does it actually mean?
2: It's a fair question. Um, let's say we have a graphic. You see your lifetime no let's say 80 to 100 years in the graphic but the graphic is very large because it's, it's eternal <laughs> so there's no beginning or end so it's extremely long and then you see this little dot if you if you actually can see it with those 100 years and you say well i didn't become perfect during that period but that that is a small instance and a very long graphic. So in, in your real life, which is, does have no beginning or end, is a very short time. And it may happen, yes, pra- Prabhupada was um, in contact with so many people, and not just service, Prabhupada sat next to people. When he went 12 times around the globe, so he sat next to someone else. So did that person become perfect? If, if they were nice, they gave a cup of water to Srila Prabhupada and then you know they become perfect. How would it happen? When would it happen? It takes time. It's a gradual process. And it depends on your sincerity. It depends how long you want to take. The the seed is there. It's, it, it will work. It's, it's medicine, the medicine. Takes longer for some to act than for others. So don't hesitate, don't doubt that by association you, your perfection is already penciled in. It's, it's just going to happen uh, in a frame of time that it may not be convenient to your lack of patience. But it will happen. It is happening. You're still here. You're still chanting Hare Krishna, you're still following the principles and associating with devotees. So as long as you are in devotee association, it is to be understood that the process continues to work and the blessing is there. So, yes, the, the example of Lava Matra, which is 1 of a second, is just to show that even that what appears to be insignificant is enough to deliver you. That's how powerful the medicine is of association, yeah. So, and it's our hope, it's our hope that we will be always associating with devotees so there will be never, you know, depending on one moment association, that we'll always have a chance to associate with with sadhus. So, this, this blessing will accelerate and, Take place again. We have very little patience, so we want it now. We want, you know, overnight. We want Amazon Prime Sarusanga type thing.
0: Thank you, we read something interesting last night in the tenth canto about the point that you asked for reflections about earlier. We heard that Kamsa was liberated because he had this tiny little amount of faith in Krishna, like he he, under, he had some understanding that Vishnu couldn't be killed and that the eighth son of Devaki would be Vishnu. So he had this understanding that, you know, when Krishna comes I'm not going to be able to kill him. And Prabhupada said just because of that little amount of understanding, he was liberated. And then Prabhupada said what to speak of those who are serving Krishna faithfully and and favorably. So I thought that was an interesting thing to add to that conversation.
5: add a little more to that because when you look at the example of Kamsa also, he stayed a demon all the way up until the point where he was killed by Krishna. So even though he had that little bit of faith and he was becoming liberated at that point, he was still a demon all the way until Krishna took him.
2: Also, you have to consider that Kamsa is not an ordinary person. Um, Krishna wants to fight; he brings his own crew. He, he's a, he has a troop that he travels with. You know, so these are Jay and Vijay, his dear servants and devotees. So, yeah, Kamsa was Kamsa was liberated before he took birth, just by dint of being one of Krishna's associates. So. Well, we should hope that, you know, Krishna kills us at least. If nothing else, if nothing else works, Krishna kills us personally. So we get liberation. Anything else? One minute for the hour, Prabhu.
5: Thanks, Prabhu. Um, sorry. So, um, you mentioned that we have a responsibility to share Krishna consciousness with the world because everybody's intoxicated. So, they're all essentially forgetful of Krishna. That's the nature of their intoxication. Can you, um, can you unpack that a little bit? Because we were also instructed to, to, uh, to differentiate between those who are innocent although intoxicated, presumably, because it's not that because one is innocent, they're not intoxicated with forgetfulness. Um, and those who are envious. Um, I mean, and it's not really an answer, but just, I was thinking that, you know, in the Narada Muni situation, we see the, the ladies were also partying, but when they saw Narada Muni, they came to their senses and, and realized, this is not good. But Manigriva and Nalkuvra didn't didn't do that, they didn't care. So what does it look like for us when we see persons who... Because everybody, we can just wipe the brush across the whole world, practically. Anyone who's not a devotee of God, remembering God is intoxicated and they need to be woken up. But what, is, what does it look like if somebody's envious? And we should therefore be like, okay, my service to you is to give you space. Versus everybody else, so we can you know try to inject some mercy. What does that look like for us?
2: I remember one particular incident. I was distributing books at the Orlando airport, and uh, I approached this lady with a Bhagavad Gita, and she uh, grabbed the purse and hit me with it. So I say, well, she's probably off the list of people to preach to at that, at that point. Um, and you can, you can somewhat tell. Um, if you if you start talking about philosophy or even you know ethics morality common sense and uh, the person is not um, doesn't even doesn't even get the minimum um, like i I used to play table tennis with a with a student from Westmont College—that's a, a Christian school, you know, quite, quite expensive and prestigious in Santa Barbara. And this boy was a devout Christian. Like, actually, when when you go to that school, part of the curriculum is that you have to go to uh, indoctrination. You know, there's there's a lot of ritual and religion and indoctrination mixed with the. Uh, curriculum, and uh, so he asked me, and I never bother to to preach them. To um, I just thought he was a good partner for me to get a workout. That's that was it. That was the intention. But he uh, he asked about you are a vegetarian, right? Yes. So um, I said, you are not. No, um, why not? Well, because uh, I don't have to be. I say, well, you read the New and the Old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, and you follow it. Oh yes. So there is even in Genesis instruction about not killing and that herbs and seeds and you know that that should be your food. So how come? You don't, you don't follow that. Um, he said, well, but also it is, I usually don't do this, you know, speak from the authority of other scriptures, because, you know, I'm usually at a disadvantage. Uh, he said, well, that is, uh, God has been given dominion to man over the animals. I said, but what's the meaning of dominion? It means tyranny? Dominion means, you know, a teacher has dominion over his students. doesn't mean he's planning to barbecue any of them. So he said, uh, well, but animals have no soul. This is actually not not in the Bible, by the way. It's uh, brought later by uh, Thomas Aquinas, I think, Augustine. I think it was Aquinas. Animal animals so, and so on. I said, really? Well, first of all, that's not in the Bible, but even if it was, um, do you have any pets? I said, yeah. I have a dog, and you love your dog? Yes, I do. And if I was hungry, will you donate your dog for the purpose of my lunch? He said, well, if, you, if it was necessary, if you were really hungry. Uh, So, at that point, I decided, okay, we'll we'll just play table tennis from now on, uh, like we have been doing, and not speak uh, about philosophy or religion or morality, ethics or scripture or anything like that. And you have to understand that there is a a barrier, There there is a certain um surface called common sense and if a person you know cannot even get to that platform of common sense then it's someone else's job to preach them like some people you can give a little prasadam, you know just kind of try to jump start their spiritual life but there is very little more that you can do because they are they're not they don't they don't have common sense they just, they don't have any basis where you can get a hold and have common ground so in my my many years of book distribution i I encounter a few not very many you know that they were antagonistic inimical violent you know things like. I decided okay these people are they're not they're not ready they're not ready I try to um, create a good impression so the next time they meet a devotee they actually they, they have a chance you know you, you just don't blow them out and forget about them because someone else will take care and we can see this is um, um, I I tried to preach to my parents and they wouldn't hear from me. Uh, That doesn't mean that they weren't philosophical and they couldn't understand what I was saying. It's simply that I was not the right instrument. So when I brought other devotees to talk to them, they got everything fine. They thought it was fantastic and great and made sense and so on, but, but they couldn't hear it from me. So just consider that if you encounter someone that is outright inimical, aggressive, you know, just step aside. I mean, if you encounter someone who somehow or other cannot get the message, don't be discouraged. It's just you're not the right person for, for that kind of delivery. They, they just have to wait. Uh, it's like when the, you know, the UBS guy comes, in, or FedEx, and there's no one at home, you know. They don't leave the package. They just leave a note. So, you know, you're that guy, you you cannot leave the packet, you can't deliver the package, you just leave a note and they will have to go to the office to get it or wait for someone else to deliver it. So that's our duty is done. So that's, that's how I can, that's more or less how I see it. Is that sufficient? Okay, we'll end here. Thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.